And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because you'll save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on this episode, we are going to break down a 5-4 to four victory for the Colorado Rockies over the San Francisco Giants in extras. The game went 11 innings, some fun dramatics there at the end. Honestly, overall, a very well-played ball game in a lot of ways by both teams it was interesting to see in uh you know a game where you could definitely argue that the Giants have a lot more to play for than the Rockies do they've technically mathematically kept themselves alive have the Rockies they need a lot of things to go their way uh for that to happen they got to win out some other teams got to lose out uh to answer a question we already have waiting for us here from Blake we appreciate you getting in early but that's awesome um, that is like, he was like ready to go with those, but, um, yeah, you know, to, to, to get away from the big picture for a minute, we'll get back to that at the end. We'll do more big picture stuff, both on this season. I think looking forward a little bit to the off season, but Patrick, nice ball game, just a nice day game played by two teams who wanted to win it. And the Rockies got some, uh, gutsy performances out of guys who are not their top. 10, maybe now Tapia has moved himself into that top 10 conversation. But as we've talked about, well outside their core guys like Tapia, Fuentes, Chichi Gonzalez turning down, turning around what could have been a disaster and and taking one from these guys who have been expecting to be in the playoffs for a minute now. The biggest item in the pro column, I think, for this game is the fact that when you play a game now in 2021 against the San Francisco Giants, you don't have to worry about, man, those guys have our number. The yep. Giants are, are not not Rockies beaters. They're, they're not going to go out and defeat them every single time. Uh, regardless of, of, of who's in the playoff hunt, who isn't, you know those two teams are going to go at each other hard. And in a season in which the Giants are in the group of the haves and the Rockies are in the have-nots, the Rockies are still, you know, playing disruptor, so to speak, and that's that's a word I'll I'll use again uh, later in this episode um, to describe, you know, another team. But that's just a real positive thing. Is that okay? It, it doesn't mean anything this year, but it, it does mean something next year when when you think of these two teams going head to head, and you go, remember the last time we played? That's right, we did get the best of them. We did come back down three nothing. We did 
have our bullpen go in and pitch relatively admirably. And it, and it did take, you know, all hands on deck from the offense to, to chip in and that big inning with the bases loaded and five infielders and two outfielders. Hey, look at that. Things, things can go well. So there is definitely that, that, that positive take from this and, and they go down to Arizona now with four games. They might not have that, you know, control of their own fate, but they're still alive and they've got to feel good about that. Yeah. And to your point also, you know, here with the Giants, the fact that they didn't trade Colorado product Kevin Gossman at the deadline, I think to some degree suggests that they see him as part of their young core to build around moving forward, which is probably wise on their part. And for the Rockies to go out there and beat him, beat beat them when he takes the mound, really, because uh, because he was very good. Again, he continues to be very good. Uh, but, you know, Gossman versus Chichi Gonzalez. That's not even close to being a toss-up on paper. That's a huge advantage in favor of the Giants. So uh, to take that game, you know, again, like you said, it shows you that that's one of those divisional things. We've talked about it, you know, going back to the the, the rivalry that always seems to almost blossom and, and bubble over with the Diamondbacks and then totally fizzle out as one or both teams just collapse. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are no secrets there whenever, and it's going to be that way in these four four games that they're going to go and play like regardless of who's in the laundry as you put it uh those divisional games and having that mental edge or at least not having letting the other team have a mental edge as we've seen at times against the dodgers uh can be really big so uh, quality stuff for just the team in a feel-good category to go out and get the win there uh, before we get into uh, some of the offense and, and the kings of the game or the king of the game and all that good stuff, uh, let, let's go ahead to the very end of the game there, Patrick. Um, first of all, Daniel Bard uh, nearly given up a two-run jack like that ball to the wall. Thought that was gone. Thought that was gone. But once that runner was at third, with one out, and like you said, the Rockies pull guys in. A great play from Trevor Story. Uh, then Bard with some nice pitching to get them out of it uh, kind of nails clutch performances there uh, from those guys. And uh, then Jairo Diaz, <laughs> what do you know? Picking up the save. Uh, getting That's the baseball. Ball, man. That, that, that is some baseball. There was a lot of that's baseball in this game. Ryan McMahon putting together a 15 pitch at bat, despite the fact that he's NL's leader in strikeout rate, but going up there and looking like Tony Gwynn for one at bat, you know, it's just like, or Todd Helton, if you prefer a more local reference, it's just. Uh, you've, got, you've got one of the scrawniest guys on the team in Ryan Altapia hitting a nice sacrifice fly that yeah. ended up being the difference in the game. So you're right. right. It's, you just never know on any given day. And it was, it was fantastic that, you know, Bard going two and two thirds innings, you know, somewhat, you know, Mariano esque, at least in the, the <laughs> innings pitched line. No, that is only only in the front back at all. Put zero. No? All right, there we go. Put zero qualifiers on that. <laughs> he he uh, he gets knighthood in our core. We'll tell you who the king is, but he definitely deserves knighthood after that performance and his yep. tenacity when Buddy opted to walk. So they had they put Belt on first base naturally because you know he he was having one of those games, and so he had runners on first and third with one out, and it was. Okay, you can turn a double play. But then they went and they walked Brandon Crawford to load the bases with one out. 
And Daniel Bard was visibly upset by that. I don't know if it was necessarily because, you know, he wanted Crawford. He wanted to turn a double play. Uh, if it just meant, you know, it was going to be that much more inevitable or harder to get the job done. But nevertheless, and or maybe when he saw Buddy come out, he thought that maybe his day was going to be done. But yeah. nevertheless, he he got that job done, and Story made a nice play there, and no harm, no foul. And what do you know? The the Rockies come away with yeah. a W. It's two examples of if if not uh, again, you know, sometimes we try to separate process from results. But if you're going by the results, good managing or at least managing that worked out for Bud Black, the, the going with the five-man infield. And I texted you after the last time they did that, which was down in Houston. And I, what did I say? I said, this never works. No. It, it never works. <laughs> and uh, and it didn't then either. It didn't in Houston. And I was just like, it just, it never seems to work out, even though structurally it all makes sense. There's no reason to have the extra outfielders. There, all the philosophy behind it seems to make sense, but the fact that it actually worked out in the Rockies' favor this time felt like the, the exception to the rule, but it needed to happen. Like, especially the way you saw it kind of skip away. He had to make a great play. They they had no extra time there. Uh, and then deciding to walk the, the bases loaded, it, those decisions ended up being proven correct. Tony Walters didn't. Excellent job keeping yes. his foot on yes. home plate, yes. which is something that, again, our, our hardcore fans will very much appreciate. Anytime the catcher can Any keep catcher. their foot on home plate, <laughs> if we recall that wonderful memory. But, yeah, it was it was lining up where our, the pitcher doesn't like the call. You know, the, the pundit, you, don't like the five-man infield loading the bases. But yet, Buddy and the team and the organization thinks that's the right play. And in the season of, of 2020 with it just how after that 11-3 start, the Rockies have been so futile winning only about three out of every 10 games. You go, well, this is so obvious. Almost like the Jairo Diaz yeah. uh, game from Tuesday night. And yet it works and they get out of it. And, you know, they, they go on to, to win this game. So it's, it's really why you play the games and, you know, the Rockies are not going to win the World Series this year. However, what? however, they are not eliminated. So, again, that's why we play these games. Yeah, they, could until... win, they could win the next four games. Enough happens with the Brewers and uh, the Giants ahead of them that they end up sneaking in. And, of course, they're not going to beat the Dodgers. That's fine. But it will be fun watching all the you know the the entire way, and that's why you that's why you play the games. And you know once they're once they're done, they're done, and it's everybody else gets to play, and you're just sitting on the sideline. You know we we've all been there for those pickup basketball games, where you yeah, know just hang hey, out. yeah, winners stay on the court, and the new team comes out. When you lose, you just got to sit there and wait, and you're not waiting you know thirty minutes to an hour for that game to end before you can get back. Yeah. You're waiting months and months and months. And I know, you know, the guys have probably already had their minds made up in a lot of ways. Like, all right, well, we're not going to go to the playoffs. So it's, it's, you know, not, not a major disappointment, but this is just the reason why they play the games. They came back from three Oh, it looked like even when it was a tie ball game, they were going to lose. And even though they're not eliminated, but they kind of are, they might not be eliminated. So it's exciting. Two games tomorrow. 
two games tomorrow, two seven-inning games, not to get right. ahead of ourselves. But again, the feeling that you might have right now with this win, imagine what that's going to be like tomorrow with two more, and all of a sudden you're going to wake up Saturday morning and say, whoa, wait a minute. The Rockies have now won three games in a row, and they've won four out of six, and they're only one and a half games out of the eighth spot. And they really seem to own the Diamondbacks right now. Wait a minute. I, I need to be need to be watching this. This is appointment viewing. Just like the Nuggets are appointment viewing, <laughs> the Rockies become that for the weekend. Slightly different, but yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, Patrick, somebody else who uh, almost criminally is not our draft king of the game. And so the best I can do is, is toast my Breck brew to him at this point. And I don't have one. I I, I really you're, you're saying what which one? I, I usually I typically do. I don't have one on me right now. I don't know why. There are some. I just I just don't have one. I just don't have one. It just happens occasionally. People. Nobody's perfect. Okay. But if you want to get one, you want to make sure you've got your situation set up like I do downstairs. You get yourself that 15 can sampler. Ooh. Be over at a King Supers or whatever liquor stores your your favorite. You swing by. But if you're out and about, and of course, being safe, you can swing by the DNVR bar, get one. If you're a member, you get a much larger one. Or you can swing by the farmhouse, one of my favorite places in the world. Get a little food, get a little beer, you can get that pickup, or you can go and sit in their socially distanced, outdoor, very beautiful dining area. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. and use that code DNVR to save five bucks on both the food and the beer and raise your glass to Rymal Tapia, who continues to do the damn thing, Patrick. Now, he struck out on three pitches in his first at-bat, and it, they were three gnarly pitches from Kevin Gossman. You tip your cap, you rub some dirt on your hands, and you go back out there and you figure out what to do. In the, when you're a leadoff man, and you've got to watch strike one, and then the next two pitches are perfect, every once in a while that's going to happen. You tip your cap, you move on with your day. And Raimal Tapia moved on with his day. After that, every at-bat he put up was a grind, put the ball in play, regularity, ended up coming up with a big RBI hit um, earlier in the game, and then, of course, the big sack fly then ended up going down as the game winner, and there was no doubt in my mind that Tapia was bringing in that run. I didn't know if he was going to get a hit or not, maybe bring in a couple. Part of you is thinking, man, about time for him to gap one. And then off, off the bat, that changeup he got, I was like, ooh, that might even get out. But, you know, just shy of the warning track, but a very easy no-doubt sack fly. And it's just, as I tweeted out right after that, 90% of the time he puts up a good at-bat. And that's a much higher percentage than anybody else on the team right now. He just feels so comfortable or he appears so comfortable. And, and I think the results show that he's comfortable, not just in the box, but comfortable with his role on the team because it very much, you know, I can imagine him feeling, uh, and we know he felt this as much, uh, basically that just, uh, just almost like a, you know, a, the, the younger stepbrother that was just, 
continually getting overlooked and he just wasn't getting the opportunities. And I think in some ways, rightfully so, uh, because of, you know, just little errors he was making here and there, other guys stepping up, playing better. And it was just an unfortunate situation, not the end of the world, but an unfortunate one where, you know, it, it, it just wasn't coming along the way he wanted. I had even seen him after he had got sent back down in Albuquerque. And, you know, we've, we've seen it at Coors Field, him slam the bat down. And, you know, he did that in the dugout. He made a lot of noise and he was just frustrated. He's, he's in triple A. He's for the most part tearing the cover off the ball, but it doesn't matter because he's not doing it at Coors Field. And so now he knows what his role is and you strike out on three pitches. You got to make up for that in your next step at. No, you don't. You don't. And he knows that now. He didn't yeah. know that, you know, uh, for the first half of, of last right. year, I think, in a lot of ways. He definitely didn't know that in 2018. And you got to say, well, I got to do something so good. It, it erases that first at-bat. No, what's done is done. Let me just go back and let me grind out these, these at-bats. Goes one for four the rest of the day. All right. You know, that's only 250. But he does steal another bag. His eighth on the season, as you said, does get that sacrifice fly. That's the difference. And at the end of the day, you go, no, Ryan out. You were you were one of the key players in this victory, in, in in coming from behind. And he's just comfortable. He knows where he knows his role on the team. And that's huge. That's that's one of the reasons why you have a closer. Even though we've talked about this a million times on, on our podcast, that the most important out of the game isn't always going to be the ninth. Right. Because if it's the seven, eighth, and ninth hitter, you go, Why why do you need the closer in there? Well, because he knows his role. He's safe. He he knows that this is his job. And guys, it's a mental thing for these guys. And right now, Ryan Tapia has got the mental component down to a, dare I say, T. Yeah. I mean, first letter in his name. It, it, <laughs> Last name. Down to a Tapia. No, it didn't, that didn't quite work. Uh, yeah. And, and I see a couple of questions here about Tapia. Uh, I'm going to go with NY2NJ saying ever since the new stance, uh, he's been fire, more consistent, tap, tap. Yeah, he's been much more up this year. Uh, I, I will say this. Do not be surprised if he comes back next year and it looks different. Uh, he's changed <laughs> his batting stance a lot. Many, more than any player I've ever seen or covered. I mean, he used to have this extreme exaggerated crouch he would go into with two strikes. He was generally a sit-down kind of guy any bit, anyway, but he would legitimately change his batting stance in the middle of at-bats, and it worked for him for a long time, and he stopped doing it. And my understanding is nobody told him. In fact, nobody's told him really to do any of this. He, he's he gone more upright. He's gone more squat down. He's looked for it. Uh, the other question with uh, B10 Devon Asking, does Tapia have another level or, or growth in his game, maybe more power? That's a thing that I, I think that you want to be careful of. And um, I'm going to write about this a little bit more, but I also need evidence to confirm my theory here. But I know that the Rockies wanted him. He's 6'3", right? And he's not a beanpole anymore either. He used to be really skinny, but he's gained 15 or 20 pounds since 2016. And I think there was always this thought that, yeah, he's never going to be a 30 home run guy, but maybe he could be a 15 home run guy. And I've even said that many, many times before. I think the Rockies tried to instill that in him and try to get him to hit for more power. And he kind of did. 
uh, certainly for better exit velocity, but not to the kind of results he was seeing in the minors when he was the prototypical slappy contact spray the ball to all fields guy that was really successful in his minor league career. And which is basically what you've seen at the big league level this year, which is no slugging of any kind, but an absolutely irritating at bat each time. And so if it's a trade-off, I think that's a really interesting philosophical question because his WRC plus will never be good as long as he's the guy he is right now, but it may be better for his team and for the Rockies for him to stay what he is and not try. Now you always got to grow in your game, but maybe don't try to be something that you're not. It's a fine line there. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, you know, that's, that's similar to the approach that Charlie Blackman had where, you know, once you became, you know, the leadoff hitter, yeah, you know, the power was there and, and you began to think like, Oh, he can hit anywhere in the lineup. He was best suited as the leadoff hitter. That was his best contributions. And yeah, maybe that meant he only had 70 RBIs, whereas in the middle of the lineup, he's going to get a hundred, you know, maybe he, he sees some different pitches. Uh, doesn't matter. It, it's contributing to the team and, and the wins and losses. And that's what it's about. And Tapia is one of those kind of guys where it, it's just about winning and losing and whatever, you know, he can do for the team. He's going to go and do that. He's not concerned with his stats. He just wants to play after everything I, I we just talked about. He just wants to play. And you know, that everything you're saying about his, his stance and, and, and changing things up, you know, it, it does remind me a little of, of, you know, Cal Ripken Jr. was a guy who had a bunch of different stances yeah. throughout his career, you know, just to adjust. And, and maybe that's just his, his body telling him to do different things. But, you know, athletes kind of are able to have that ability to know what's, you know, best suited for the ball. And while they might look crazy, you know, with their, their hands way up high, like you think about Craig Council, but by the time the pitch comes in, look at where their body's at. And so for Ryan Maltapia, if you really overlay all of those different batting stances, I would, you know, very much imagine that at the point in which the ball is delivered from the pitcher and comes out of the pitcher's hand, he's probably in the generally the same position. It's like Andres Galarraga. He didn't hit, you know, when, when he, he would step towards home plate or he would step towards the pitcher, he didn't stay open, right? right. He right. ended up finishing in a closed stance. So whatever you need to do to get in that appropriate closed stance, so be it. Jeff Bagwell is a guy too. You think about him with his legs so far apart. looks like he was, well, frankly, using the toilet while he was at the plate. But that that's because, because that's where he wanted his body to be finished at. And I think it worked pretty good for him. You know, he's, he's in the hall of fame. So, you know, Tapia is, man, he's, he's been very much exciting. Uh, I don't know that his ceiling is, is that high, like you said, a 30 home run guy, but that's okay. It doesn't, doesn't have to be, it doesn't mean that he's a, that it's a failure. And I think, you know, going back to that 2018 season when he wasn't getting that playing time and there was thoughts like, ah, it's just it's just not there for him. Or even after he had success in 2019 last year, it was, yeah, but I mean, he's just not what you thought he was going to be. Okay. So what if he isn't? Do you want this guy do you want this guy to be one of your three starting outfielders? And and I think the answer is is yes on this team. Certainly he could be usurped by someone else who steps up. But right now, if you're taught if you're ranking the top three outfielders right now for the Rockies, there's gonna be a lot of people who have Tapia right there at, at number two. Some are going to even say he's their top guy. 
because David Dahl can't stay healthy. And Charlie Blackman is, you know, a little bit older, still producing, but he's a little bit older. So there's somewhere in the conversation, he's one, two, or three. You can't put him fourth right now. It doesn't matter how much of an upside you want to, you know, think that Sam Hilliard has. He's one of your top three outfielders, period. Yeah. And, and again, the consistency, like it's the hardest thing in the Rockies history has been able to find guys who can put together consistent at bats, uh, home and road, full seasons, long stretches. And, and this really is a find for the Rockies to have a guy like this. And if I were a betting man, <clears throat> and actually recently I've become one, I would bet that it continues. I would go down to the DM, but you don't go down to a, an app, right? You just download it. It comes to you. And that's what makes it so convenient. You get it on your computer or your phone, get that DraftKings Sportsbook app, and you can start betting. I don't, I don't think you can place a specific bet. I bet Raimel Tapia will continue to be good at hitting baseballs. But, boy, I would I would make some money on that one. You can get more specific things like over-unders on strikeouts, who's going to win some baseball games. Uh, you know, I'm sure once the, the playoffs start, you'll be able to start picking – series and individual games and uh, who's going to go all the way and win the dang thing. But also, even if you're not a fan of football, you can make a whole bunch of money real easily with almost no risk to yourself. If you're an all new user, you get the sign up bonus. If you use that promo code DNVR and all you've got to do is bet one dollar on a team, pick a team, any team. It, now, if you know some stuff about football, you know, pick a good team, probably. The, the Chiefs are pretty good. Houston uh, Oilers. We, we already said the Oilers were really good. We said the Oilers. Right. That's our team. That's the DNVR Rockies right. podcast team, the Oilers. You got all that money. So then you just take a dollar. You've, you've lost a dollar at some point in the last couple of weeks. Instead of losing a dollar in the couch, you've got go go to your couch right now. You can find a dollar inside your couch. You can place a bet on any team in the NFL to just win a football game. You don't got to worry about point spread or what the quarterback's going to do and none of that stuff, covering none of that fancy stuff. They win the football game, you win a hundred bucks. How dope is that? Like simple as yeah. that. And DraftKings is always doing stuff like that, helping you out. Basically, I mean, quite literally just giving you free money. You place a couple of bets. They're like, hey, cool. We see you threw a couple of bets down. Here's $25 to throw it, whatever you like. And if you win big, you win big. There are no takesies, backsies. You just win big. That's what happens. It's a pretty cool setup. So head over to the draft. Again, you don't head over. You just download. It comes to you. You get it on your phone. You download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now you use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. You get the can't-miss offer of picking any team during week three. Bet a dollar on them to win 100 bucks if they win. Simple, easy, peasy. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Zero. And if winning a hundred dollars for a one dollar bet isn't enough, well, I've got your DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. Friday, 510 Mountain Standard Time. The Pittsburgh Pirates, who have the worst record in baseball, have just beaten the Chicago Cubs three straight games. They are hot, they're feeling good. 
They've got one of their brightest stars on the hill in Mitch Keller. And you go ahead and take them to win plus 230. Yes. So $100 bet wins you 230 or $10 bet wins you 23 bucks. You can't go wrong like that. And it's going to be an important game because Cleveland is there. They've won four games as well. But you want, you're, you're, you've been spoiled. Let's face it. You've been spoiled. This $1 bet to win 100 has spoiled you. So yeah. I, I got to bring that heat. DraftKings pick of the week, Pirates plus 230 on Friday against Cleveland. It's pretty good. That's a pretty good one. And uh, while we're on the subject, let's go ahead and give them one more shout out and crown and appreciate our draft king of the game. And again, don't forget about that promo code DNVR. You really don't want to do that. Uh, Josh Fuentes, really the driving force of the Colorado Rockies offense today, two for five run scored ribby. But just again, like back to the Tapia point, putting together the good at bats at the right time, the two out RBI dagger clutch, high leverage win probability added play put whatever language on it you like uh, i like clutch you want to go to win probability added whatever we're looking at it helps you win baseball games and it does a great deal for your team and against the other team when you come up with a two out base hit that gives your club the lead late in the game and josh fuentes doing that uh, he's been doing it for well, ever since he's become a regular starter now, it seems like you can pretty much, like I was saying about Toppy, you can count on him to hit the ball hard somewhere when he's in a clutch situation. And you could count on him to do something when the Rockies need something. Because yep. if he's not driving in, uh, what at the time would have been the game-winning run, uh, of course, before Michael Givens came in and did his unfortunate thing, uh, where the Rockies were up 4-3. So if he's not you know, driving in, uh, the run that's the difference to a Rockies victory. He's starting the rally. So we've, we've seen it on both ends and it's, right. you know, he's, he's kind of become that player for the Rockies. That's made me kind of reconsider the value of run scored in RBI. And we, we, we know the value of, of an RBI. You're, you're driving in guys when they're on base and, and they score great, but it's the run scored piece is something that it's one of those stats that gets overlooked. I think nowadays in a, in a lot of ways with, you know, the analytics that we have, and you can just say, well, I know this guy missed half the season, but look at his on-base percentage. Look at his slugging. That is an accomplishment, but that doesn't necessarily always translate to anything in an actual game, especially if you're missing half. Whereas for Josh Fuentes, he's getting on base in these in important times when it seems like the Rockies have nothing going for him. He's sparking a rally. He's keeping it going. And again, when you score runs, you're doing the right things at the plate, either by walking or getting a hit, or you're hey, you're you're running the bases really well and, and you're causing some havoc. It's it's it is one of those old school numbers that just doesn't get the appreciation anymore, you know, as it as it should. And you go back and look at some of the great seasons players have had and you you see how many runs they score, and all of those guys' teammates will say, like, you touch home plate. There's just such value in that. Like, yeah, the other guy drove you in. He's getting credit for it too, but that double off the wall means nothing if the guy in front of you doesn't get on base. And that is such a key component to baseball, scoring runs. We still have yet to quantify like how a guy scores a run. Like you don't have that. You don't possess that skill on your own. 
because you could be on third base after every at bat, have a 1000 on base percentage, and you still might only, you know, come in second place in runs scored if your teammate, if your team fails you. But it's Fuentes has just showed that, uh, that, that ability to just get on base, cause havoc and how much a run is worth it, or rather how much being able to be that guy to score a run, how important that is to winning ball games. Yeah. Yeah, I, I drove that home throughout the, the minor league career of Ryan Maltapi and, and the the fact that he hasn't scored a ton of runs at the big league level this year is very indicative of exactly what you were talking about there, where it's like he should have a lot more than he does, but he still has a decent number of runs scored, which tells you just about the insane number of times he's been on base. Um, but another thing that I've also driven home, though, about – Somebody he may or may not be related to, I can't recall, but who just hasn't done it this year is the high leverage at bat. You know, Patrick, I think it's really ironic that when it's not going their way, and I would imagine this is actually true for every team. We know it's true for the Rockies because we observe it, right? When they leave men on base, when they don't come up with the two-out hit, it's the headline story. You find the statistic. The Rockies left X number of guys on base tonight. They're hitting such and such with runners in scoring position. When they're terrible at it, it's headline material as well. It probably should be. I've always found it interesting that a lot of the same people who you know will statistically drive those narratives will avoid the idea of clutch. And Josh Fuentes in high leverage at bats, as measured by baseball reference this year, is hitting 357 and slugging 714. That helps you win baseball games. No way around it. He's hitting 333 and slugging 567 with men on base, where Nolan Arenado was hitting under 100 for much of the season in similar situations. And you know, we can argue till we're blue in the face or till the cows come home or till cows uh, are blue. Until the cows are blue in the face at home. And about whether or not that's sustainable. But there is no debate about whether or not that helps you win baseball games. Josh Fuentes has helped his team with the bat win more baseball games this year than Nolan Arenado did all season. On the Arenado family crest, because Fuentes is an Arenado, but Arenado is not a Fuentes, if I've got this right. Yes? I th- I, well, I think yeah, I think that's actually correct. But a square think. is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Right, right, right. Think about that. Same thing. So on the Arenado family crest, which Fuentes is a part of, they have, well, they've, I don't know what's on the crest, but their motto should be ice in their veins and gold in their gloves because that's what they're doing. We've, we've talked about it all season, you know, Fuentes's defensive abilities, and I've, even before he he put on a first baseman's mitt, I had no doubt that he wasn't going to be fantastic over there. No. But as you've just pointed out, like that clutch ability, that's that's ice in the veins. No. And yeah, that that's a shirt out there. We got to talk with D line. I was gonna say, dude, I ice think just in the veins. It. And it's gotta be like a Game of Stone, Game of Thrones style, family crest, ice in the veins, gold in the glove. That would be rather fantastic. That's another one. We, we, we got to get that going too. Fantastic. That is 
He was he was fantastic out there. And yep, Colorado Rockies win a baseball game, and and y'all have spent now hours upon hours with it. It was a long one. They went extra, so we appreciate you hanging out with us here in the post. And you got to get ready for more baseballs. We talked about we got two of these things. We should. Is there 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 going to be time? We have to double. It depends on how long the first one goes. We'll try to go live in between. I'm excited. Got time? Yeah, I think that'll be a lot of fun. So make sure that you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. You hit the bell icon so you get a notification when we do go live. You can also join us on Facebook and Periscope still if you just don't do the YouTube thing. Though it's fun over there. Come join us on YouTube. But you can always leave comments on any of those places. We we enjoy it when you come hang out with us live. Uh, we're going to be watching baseball all day tomorrow. Join us for it. Hang out. Hit us up on social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNBR underscore Rockies. Subscribe so you don't miss out on any of that written content at the DNBR.com. Plus, you can get discounts on shirts, hats, masks, hopefully a new shirt coming your way with a family crest on it. <laughs> we got to let thing happen. You come on down to the DNBR bar, you get a much larger beer than everybody else so not only do you get more beer but you get to feel superior both things that are fantastic and it's breck brew we do have other stuff i think i think there's one or two other things that are technically there it's like when you walk into a wine bar and you order a beer though and they're like we have one or what oh do you remember the scene in um hot fuzz when uh he goes in and he tries to order wine at the pub and he asks the guy what kind of wine they have. And he says, oh, we've got uh, red and white. I, I, We've talked about this. I haven't partaken in the Coronado <laughs> trilogy yet. Right. Oh, and I God. love Simon Pegg. He's great. I wonder if there's a way we could do a DNVR watches in the off season and, and watch those movies for, for people who ruined it. Cause those are some of my favorite. Shaun of the dead is like, I, I'm movie. like embarrassed that like, I've just have never seen that. It's just seems like it's like just a fantastic movie. It's extraordinary. It's like it has everything. Yeah. And, and I think hot fuzz is maybe the most perfectly structured, like comedy is not all about structure, but sometimes it can be. And I think it's the most perfectly structured comedy film. I've ever seen it's yeah. so exquisitely made like i think they worked on it for like seven years um but yeah so we got to do a dmvr watches for those in the off season but we're not done watching baseball yet join us again tomorrow please remain absolutely awesome out there we will remain absolutely patrick lyons and drew creaseman in here and until next time we will see you at the ballpark